Welcome to the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm your host, Tony Conley. Thanks so much for tuning in to the pod. We've got a special guest today, Mike Nichols from the Nichols Law Firm. And I thought it'd be real interesting conversation to talk about the media as it relates to law. And Mike really has a good understanding for this because I met Mike a long time ago when we both worked. six or seven years ago. Oh my gosh, when we both worked at WILX in Lansing. And I don't know how he did it, but Mike was a full-time employee, a full-time reporter at Channel 10 while going to law school full-time. How'd you pull that off? It was the old saying, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Because <laughs> at the time, you didn't have kids, right? Correct. Right. I was married but did not have kids. I literally budgeted the day and I slept from midnight to 4 a.m. How tough was that? Do you remember that I did the morning show oh, yeah. for a long stretch of time? Oh, that yeah. was probably something that took a few years off my life. <laughs> I hate to say it, but you know, the reward is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Now you've got your own law firm and you do all types of cases and we don't want to go into detail, but you're working on a pretty fascinating case right now, you were telling it, it, Yes, it involves DNA and some problems because they don't happen a lot, but there were problems with this particular case file at the Michigan State Police Forensic Science Division. And so unearthing that and presenting that to the judge to show her why this particular evidence shouldn't be used in a trial. It's just because that's not my typical thing. My typical thing is, as a lot of people know, drunk driving. So toxicology I can do in my sleep. This not so much. And so it's really stretching some boundaries for me. Why did you decide to take the law firm in that direction? It was because, and I just told this story last week in Florida at a national conference, it's because I sat in a seminar after a major murder case that I was co-counsel on. Some people may remember it from 2006. And I felt like my cross-examinations of the forensic analysts, the experts, was okay, but it was meh. And I wanted to get better at the science part of the law, the intersection of forensic evidence, which is you know, really science, and the law. And I wanted to get better at it. And I realized, listening to three speakers, Jim Nessie from Arizona, Don Ramsell from Chicago, and my friend Patrick Verone from Detroit, if you can master forensic evidence in a drunk driving case, you can master it in any case. Do you worry that sometimes mistakes could be made and a drunk driver who shouldn't be out is out? Well, I look at it like this, Tony. Karma is a horse that never loses the race. <laughs> so if you get a break because the government didn't do it the right way on your case, fix the problem. Don't need another second chance. Please don't go out and hurt somebody. And, you know, unfortunately, we have seen cases where people have been hurt. But, you know, by the same token, we have to make sure that the government is doing what it should be doing when it comes to convicting a person of a crime, which is really... That should be one of the hardest things for a government to do to one of its citizens. Is the government fair? Is the legal system fair now with drunk drivers, do you think? And how is Michigan rank with that as opposed to other states? We need to make our evidentiary rules a little more equitable, and judges need more education and forensic evidence because a lot of judges just let you know an argument about the reliability of a particular chemical test, breath or blood, what have you, just you know, go right by him or her without really going deep into whether or not any particular chemical test is fit for the purpose on any given day. 
We just had that discussion today with Governor Whitmer's task force on forensic science. They had a meeting today, which was about a two and a half hour meeting or so, and retired Judge Don Shelton from Washtenaw County said, we need to make it mandatory for judges to have continuing legal education on forensic evidence. I always wondered about that because there was a time a long time ago I got pulled over for drunk driving. I had one beer. So when I took the test, man, I could have did a handstand, you know. I felt fine. It was funny. I was the DD. I had a beer when we started the night. The rest of the time I had water, so I was fine. And when this officer gave me the test, I was great. Blew in a breathalyzer, and I think I blew an O2, she said, you know. But they gave me a hard time, and it really ticked me off because I told them exactly what I had, blew freely and all that. And I just wondered if they handle that right, you know, uh, especially after I passed that test with flying colors. And officers are all walks of life and all different sorts of personalities. Mm -hmm. Some officers would have been, hey, you're fine. Thanks for, you know, being safe for the people you're trying to get home. Some officers might be a little bit less so. They're what we call true believers, right? Um, And I bet it was the fact that the officer could smell alcohol in your car that set off her antenna. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting about that too is when I see cases of that now, I always shake my head because we've got Uber, we've got Lyft, we've got taxi right. cabs. You have to make that decision to use those sources. You have to put those keys away and uh, don't let them near you if you're going to have you know as many as you want. We're talking with Mike Nichols from the Nichols Law Firm, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the media and the law and how fair the media is, especially with high-profile cases. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Conley, and this is the Michigan Business Network. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conlon. We've got Mike Nichols in studio from the Nichols Law Firm. And Mike, I want to talk a little bit about the law and the media. How fair, from your perspective, uh, is the media when it comes to the high-profile cases and even other interesting cases that pop up in the media? Because it seems like, and I'm an avid reader as well as I follow the Wall Street Journal, I try to get all types of information, and having a law background is almost mandatory because legalese comes in the case and politics and so many other areas. Just like we should make sure that judges and lawyers learn about forensic evidence in either law school or after law school, journalists should have to have law for media courses. It should be required, at least a couple. And I know that because so many people just don't understand the basics when they're covering a story. 
when I say people, I mean reporters. And sometimes it seems like it's patently unfair when I've had a high-profile case, and I notice this is really especially the Detroit market. They come up here, and the story is written from the moment they left the morning meeting. And for those of you who may not know, the morning meeting is where you go in and you discuss and, and figure out what you're going to cover that day. And the news director kind of writes the headline for you, you know, the lead-in. And I can just tell, okay, this guy or gal has already gotten the headline written and the story. They're just collecting facts to fit that headline. And that really gets frustrating. Mike, discuss the differences between the time periods when you were a reporter and now. Is the media more fair, less fair? A lot of folks will say that the media is definitely has an agenda for the left, for liberals. What do you think? I think a lot of reporters, especially in broadcast, hate to say it, but the agenda is, let me get something really great for my resume tape so I can move up. You know, whether it's move up to the next market size, move up to network, move into the anchor chair. Uh, that's where I think most of the, and I'm sorry to say it um, because it's pretty judgmental, but it's just my observation from my 10 years in the media and then, you know, outside uh, of the media working with the media as a lawyer. That's just what I sense. Everybody has their own political views, and I can't help but think that those creep in. You know, I heard a lot of the coverage about that Sarah Palin libel lawsuit against the New York Times, and it was pretty clear that the editor messed that up, and he admitted that he messed it up. And there was one sole motivating factor. Let's make Sarah look like a moron. That's kind of my takeaway. Professionally, where does the media stand? Do you think and I'm not a Sarah Palin fan. Let me say that. Yeah, and I guess what I want to say is, do you think that they strive to get all sides of every story? I think there is at least a veneer of making an effort to get all sides of every story. And sometimes it's hard to really figure out all of the moving parts and all the different vantage points of an issue or a story, an event. That can be difficult. You know, another example, and again, I don't condone this, but uh, the January 6th insurrection. Imagine being a lawyer trying to represent one of those folks uh, in a news story. I don't know what value you're going to get out of that because I don't know of anybody in the at least mainstream media who has covered that with any kind of sympathy for the individual stories for the people who went to the Capitol that day. That's, again, not condoning that. And frankly, I condemn that, but uh, that's just uh, a really stark example of media coverage and how it just can become an institutional psychosis of covering an event. So going back to a point you make, do you think that the mainstream media makes the decision to cover stories the way they do to get their name out there for self-promotion, or do you think there is an agenda out there? I don't know if there's an agenda. I think you certainly have publications with agendas, but I don't know how mainstream those publications are. I do. I'm an avid reader of the New York Times, and I listen to uh, public broadcasting. I sense a little bit of a, I'm not even going to call it a drift, a direction toward the left. And I just think that's a product of how polarized our society has become. I have a thought in regards to the media that I don't think is discussed a lot. I think that the mainstream media has turned more opinionated than anything. For sure. And even the news is interjected with uh, opinions are interjected. 
But what I think is audiences now go to get their news and information from sources that spew what they believe. What do you yeah. think? No, I think that's probably true, and that's why every now and then I'll you know, turn on Fox News or I'll uh, go read something that's a little more of a conservative-oriented publication or channel just because I want to make sure I'm checking myself and I'm not letting my own predilections color what I'm consuming and what I'm thinking on a daily basis about issues and events. We're talking with Mike Nichols from the Nichols Law Firm. When we come back, we're going to dive into a little bit more how the media can be better when it comes to reporting on legal issues and legal cases. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Hi, this is Chris Holman, and as past chair of the National Small Business Association and a small business owner myself, I understand when you run a business, you rely heavily on your computer network. Now, you cannot afford lost data, lost customer information, and that's why you should trust your technology needs to ASK. Contact ASK at 877-ASK-4ASK for a free audit and analysis of your technology needs. That's 877-ASK-4ASK. Or find them on the internet at www.justask.net. ASK, taking the hassle out of technology so that you can run your business. the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with Mike Nichols from the Nichols Law Firm. Mike, when it comes to the media, tell me a little bit more from your perspective about what you see, how they cover legal cases, especially those high-profile cases. I'll never forget the first one I really followed was that OJ case because a friend of mine was on the legal team with Marsha Clark. And she, after the fact, provided a lot of interesting insight into that case, how complicated it was and how, how divisive it was. It really was divisive, I remember that, even though it was, gosh, almost 30 years mm-hmm. ago now, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that was the product of you had a trial happening in L.A., and so a lot of the entertainment media was getting involved, and that just, you know, color and everything. But even talking about high-profile cases like Kwame Kilpatrick, you know, it was interesting to watch the law work with the media there. I was fascinated by the Oxford School case coverage where the news media somehow got their hands on text messages between attorney Shannon Smith and the detective in the case, and they made that like a whole story. Like, here's what the lawyer was saying to the detective about turning in the parents. Was that legal, by the way? Well, in my opinion, it was fair game, but probably below the belt, because I know Shannon, and I know she wouldn't have been as familial, maybe, with the detective, and what she was obviously trying to do is just make sure they don't show up guns drawn with clients having to lay down on their stomachs in a very embarrassing, scary scenario. She was trying to let the clients have the space to turn themselves in, and the detective's 
put that in with the discovery file, which then made it part of the public domain that was then not redacted by the prosecutor's office. So on many levels, it turned into be a big bowl of, uh, hey, gotcha, Shannon. And I thought that was, um, you know, probably interesting for a lot of people to see how this lawyer and this detective were talking, but really not germane to the issues, right? I mean, the issue is what happened and how could this have been prevented? And what are we going to do about it? And can the prosecutor prove the cases against the two parents? In regards to the two parents and the media coverage, you just wondered if they were going to get a fair shake because the coverage seemed to be kind of, you're not innocent until proven guilty. Right. And there's no way they're going to get a fair shake. And I don't know that they have been getting a fair shake. I have to say, it's going to be really difficult for Karen McDonald's team, although they are great lawyers, manslaughter charge they brought uh, against the parents. The elements are very difficult for them to prove. What's the law say about parental responsibility for a minor when a crime is committed or other laws are broken by that child? Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since I looked at those particular elements, but you really have to show, A, the existence of a duty, a particular duty, that B, the parent knew about, C, the parent knowingly breached the duty, even though the parent knew that this was going to be the outcome, and not, you know, the intent of the parent for the outcome, but just that short of the intent of the parent for the outcome to occur. Mike, how big of a role now does social media play in legal cases, especially the way the media covers and reports uh, on social media? It plays a big role. Look at uh, that young man, uh, Michael Avenatti, who was the Trump uh, chaser. <laughs> yep. He went crazy on Twitter thought he could win his case on Twitter, and it turns out that he ended up in uh, prison. Uh, you know, you have to be really careful about social media. It comes back to this. It's this simple. If you don't want to see it or hear it on the 11 o'clock news, don't say it, and that includes Twitter and Instagram. Mike, what can the media do uh, to be better when it comes to reporting on and about uh, legal cases? I think slow down. Slow down and take the time to make sure you understand what the issues are legally and factually, even if it means developing a relationship with a lawyer who you're not going to use in the story, but just use to help you understand the law. And, you know, it's kind of a labor of love for me when I get a call from a reporter and they want to know, okay, what's this prosecutor got to prove? I don't need to put you on camera or on the radio, but can you just explain this to me? And I'm fine doing that so long as I'm able to do it. I'm not always able to do it. But, you know, that's important for reporters to get that background, even if it's not necessarily a source involved in, you know, a particular event to really cover it well. Do you get feedback? Because I know I've seen this on social media. I don't see it necessarily in stories, but... How can that attorney cover that story or cover those people? Because there is a preconceived notion uh, about some cases. Sometimes it is just really, really hard and it's a no-win situation. And all you can do is say, we just ask everybody to keep an open mind. I'm curious about this because I've had my kids ask me this. Have your kids ever said Dad, what's going on with this case? Or I saw your name there. Or, you know, have you had to deal with that? How did you? Absolutely. And the answer is, don't worry about it. <laughs> Dad is helping people solve their problems. Yeah. Well, what can you say? Dad's doing his job. That's right. Yeah. There's nothing you can say. No good answer.
All right, Mike Nichols is with the Nichols Law Firm. He's someone I've known for a long, long time. He's very successful now, again, uh, with a media background. I know that helps in his line of work. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate you. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network.